0: Well, hello. I'm Neil Taylor, and this is the first edition of the Brand and Business podcast from David Carroll Co. We'll be talking to a few specially selected high flyers about how they've used their brand to change their business and the opportunities and obstacles they faced along the way. First up is Michael Thurkettle, Chief Exec of Property and Construction Consultancy McBaines. Michael is, or was, a self-confessed brand sceptic. So we'll be finding out what won him round. And Michael worked with the aforementioned David Carroll on the rebranding of his firm, so David joins us too. Michael, first of all, what is McBain's?
1: McBain's is an international firm of property and construction consultants, We work in the majority of sectors across the property industry. We're an organisation of about 200 people and we most recently had a major investment from a a German investment fund and we're therefore now part of a larger group called the RSBG.
0: And what would we know you for?
1: Well, as a quick highlight, we're doing the uh, project monitoring and development monitoring on Battersea Power Station. But you'd also know us for being the leading interdisciplinary consultants in the uk
0: so a couple of years ago you embarked on a brand project why
1: mcbain's cooper was created out of the merger between two relatively sleepy partnerships in 1993 mcbain's and henry cooper both tracking their history back hundreds of years over a period of time, my businesses had changed, clearly, and I took over the organisation in 2003. You know, We weren't in the best of shape, if you like, as an organisation, hence, uh, I suppose, myself stepping up. We've um, had great success up until about 2008. Like most businesses, um, th- there was the recession, and it was challenging, but unlike most businesses, we did very well through it. And I very much felt that the organisation was at a stage where we needed to look at ourselves and understand what made us different. It was not a case of necessarily going back and coming up with new, but it was kind of visiting where we were before and what more we needed to do to take that next step as an organisation, because an organisation, particularly one where it's the service sector and people, is more driven by the behavioural culture, it's more driven by the processes that you have, it's more driven by the way people act and do to and with each other, then it is necessarily about the technical understanding. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of good companies out there who are technically very competent. Clearly, I think we're better than most. But essentially, the technical side could and should be a given. A client, that's what they pay for. What they're getting then is all about the relationships and how those people work together to create the quality, the efficiency, the experience we seek the client to have.
0: And you said it felt like a good moment to look at yourselves. Why that moment?
1: I suppose I've had this niggling for quite some time that an organisation that uh, back in 1993 merged and these, these two parts supposedly coming as one, whilst it's part of where we come from and it's very important because it establishes our credibility, but I felt it was time to modernise the way we positioned ourselves to match the groundbreaking, if you like, way that we approach business and very much the whole philosophy which we set out many, many years ago to change the industry and to change the way the professionals worked together collaboratively and under an integrated bespoke process, but more importantly under a behavioural culture that removed the egos. I always felt that that next look would be when fundamental change was needed for the organisation. It just felt like the right time.
0: And you've talked about processes and behaviour and culture. I noticed that you've not talked about logos and photography and stuff like that. So why was this a brand project?
1: Something, unfortunately, most people don't appreciate and one of the few things I think that our organization does appreciate and that is brand isn't actually about the visual the visual should follow what it is you stand for what is it that makes you different to other organizations and the visual should do nothing more than support and re-establish and allow that to be something that people can see and be synonymous with your brand position as opposed to it being the brand.
0: David you're nodding along uh, well, smiling.
2: As if we wrote that ourselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I didn't make it up I mean h- h- <laughs> half of that is probably David's words in fairness as a convert but the other half is also the reason why we did the brand it wasn't about a visual change we knew the visual change would be required to modernize the look of the organization but what you are was about the brand that's what establishes us.
0: Still lots of people in your position I imagine would say well okay if I want to do something about the culture of the organisation, the behaviour. I'll give that project to my HR department. Why get someone from outside? It's interesting. I I think
1: you've got to be fair to large corporates here as well. I think there are certain types of people you need to lead these sort of projects. And I think if you don't believe in it, if you don't passionately feel that it will have a fundamental change to your organisation, the way you either work, are perceived in the industry... Or indeed, most importantly, your clients perceive and then see, feel and touch the reality of what you're saying. If you haven't got the right people involved, then the chances are it won't happen. And I'm sure David will turn around and say, like, he doesn't really want to go in and see HR departments. He probably wants to go in and see the chief exec or the COO or somebody who can effect change.
2: Is that right? Well, I mean, the CEO is the brand keeper in a way for the whole organisation. So the CEO's engagement is absolutely vital. And how... Typical or atypical,
0: is it for a CEO to get involved in something like this?
2: Well, We've been quite lucky that we do deal directly with a lot of the CEOs, day-to-day contact maybe with a commercial director or an HR director or a marketing director. But the involvement of the CEO throughout the process from the start, from the initial briefing through to sign off and engagement is absolutely crucial.
0: So what did you actually do, Michael?
2: The first thing we did was set out a team we obviously had our
1: marketing manager we had our commercial director and myself that was effectively a team and from my perspective i suppose i do see myself as a brand i set out very clearly back in 2003 and then 2005 again when i took the business over what we stood for how we would operate the behavior i expected At the time, it required a bit more of a dictatorial. This is what we stand for. These are the values that we will embrace. But actually, as time's gone by, we've realised that you can affect change in one way. And that's what was needed at that stage. But actually, to take us to the next level, it had to be a far more all-embracing role.
0: Does that mean people hadn't quite bought into it before?
1: That's what David made us aware of. And it wasn't a case that they hadn't bought into, I think, the brand or the organisation, but they weren't willing to commit to say that. The truth is, I think they felt it. You could see it by the operations of what was going on. But for some reason, there was something stopping them. And that's what David helped us identify. On a day-to-day basis, David dealt with the commercial director, really, and and, and the marketing manager. And, And in fairness to him, I really only got involved at the end in terms of the selection process to make sure I felt that they were the right individual, organisation and the support services that would sit around him in terms of doing the project would be right. I think we're very lucky to have got him.
0: Good that we're here then. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, so what was the process?
1: The first process really was what was going to be really a sort of six nine-month maximum turned out to be a two-year process and that was actually partly, uh, as David found out a bit later, nothing to do with what David was doing or the timeliness of service or anything like that. Part of it was coming to terms with some of the things he was showing us. And having to make some um, quite fundamental decisions as to how we'd embrace that. But equally in the background, there has been a, um, an investment in the organisation. With that in the background, there were certain stages that actually it was right or wrong to, to sort of continue and push the button in the process. What David did originally was construct a survey. And that survey was to clients. It was to staff. It was to the senior management of the organisation and the like and other parties suppliers and the like it was to get a better understanding of what people felt and thought and the positioning of the company from that survey came out a number of things everything from particular words that the organization were associated with professionalism for instance which well you'd expect wouldn't you quality which we again expected experience reliable you know all, all the good things that you'd expect and then a few few surprises really and it was the surprises that really came out of the survey that sort of said that There was quite a a large portion, I think it was something like 20 or 30% of the organisation were like score between 1 and 10. They give a 9 or a 10. They definitely recommend us to a friend to come and join the company. There was 1% who basically felt we were terrible. But more importantly, there was like a block of about 60% of people who were scoring, I think, 7 and 8. Like the business, great organisation, etc. But they weren't willing to commit to a 9 or a 10. Now, I know I'm a nine guy because I don't give ten to anything. Well, if I'm a nine guy, everyone else who even might be a bit more sceptical about the questions or the reasons, why aren't they nine?
0: And David, is that a difficult thing to come in and say to a chief exec? People like being here, but they don't love it.
2: Yeah, it is quite difficult, yeah. But I think the great thing about the team and McBain's was that they listened and accepted it. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It did take a While to absorb some of the information to sort of reconcile it and to work out what we were going to do about it as well, yeah, I didn't like it. No, no,
1: genuinely, I did, didn't like it at all. How did that um, come
2: out,
0: Michael? <laughs>
1: um, it actually probably enhanced my skepticism about not the branding exercise. So, I'm not a brand skeptic, I get it, but. I think, to turn it around, and again, not being rude to David, I was a sceptic about the people who do it.
0: And what was your scepticism, and not obviously not David, what was your scepticism about the, the skeptic, that kind yeah, of person? The
1: scepticism is that I feel that sometimes it's more flowery it's a bit let's find a reason let's badge the same thing up in a bit of a different way take it off the shelf and dust it off put a few different words in it oh this fits for you this is what you should be and you know this is what it's all about when you get a survey that says actually 99% of your people like being at this business think it's a great business etc but actually 70% of them or whatever it is would not say, yeah, I've got a friend, come and work at McBain's. It's like, well, why won't they make that step? If they really like it themselves, they're here, they're working, they love their jobs, it's a great business, but they wouldn't make the step of telling someone else to come. There is clearly... Uh something missing when I take it all very personally as David knows I see it personally that I haven't created the environment or I haven't created the position of the organization or otherwise that those people wouldn't take that extra step and after what had been probably 10 years working with this whole interdisciplinary environment this bespoke process is very very strong into the behavioural and cultural pattern of how we work together and how we support each other your specialism your role is what you do not what you are you know you work for McBain's You are a McBain's person. Actually you just happen to be an architect or an engineer, you happen to be an engineer. That just happens to be a role that you're providing on this particular project, but you work for McBain's.
0: So you worked out between you that something was missing. How did you work out what was missing?
1: Well, That's kind of where David came into it. I think we got the survey then we we had a little bit of a pause. Cursed Uh, David behind the scenes. Indeed. And really what we decided to do then was to say, all right, well, let's face this head on. And I'm pretty transparent. I said, right, well, let's tell the people what the results are. And so we got David and one of his colleagues to come to our staff conference and present the results of the survey. High on the agenda was like, oh, and by the way, 70% of you wouldn't get your friend to work here, which, again, I'm sort of sitting in the audience there, and I'm like cringing. I, I was thinking, to myself, oh, my God, like, you know, this could go so badly wrong, couldn't it? I suppose. But no, I think it was yourself and Roger presented brilliantly, you know, very calm, very like, well, matter of factual, really, these were the results. The high level story is that there is something there that they can't grab. That vision, that position, there is something there that they're still not quite getting. And that has to come down to the behaviour, the culture, which was very strong. I don't want people thinking that we hadn't done and moved in a great direction. Probably even at that stage, we're way beyond most of our competitors' But there was something, and we didn't necessarily know what at that particular stage. you know once that was done, and sort of set the board around, and said, guys, you know we've got to do something about this. What is that next stage? I believe that next stage was then to go and spend more time initially with the management, spend more time with staff, I think revisit some of the clients as well to try and find out a little bit more about what was special, but a little bit more about how they feel about the business, what use, and try and extract from that a new position for
0: us. So what are you looking for at that point, David, when you're going out talking to people?
2: Well, I think we're looking for the nuggets that, you know, it's not often that clients will talk to their clients directly and ask them what they think of them about the service, what makes them special. And there's one particular client we interviewed, the procurement department of found you via Google. You were one of a number to pitch for the, for the work, but what you did through your process and your integrated team you looked at the problem around you and added value from the very, very first. So, this client within months was just really overawed by how brilliant McBain's were and you know said, Look, if this continues on, then we're going to be signing a long term partnership agreement with these guys because they're just fantastic, they're kind of a hidden gem. And again, that kind of hidden gem bit was again a bit of a, a thorn on the side of Michael because it was like, Well, why are we hidden? We should be out there, we're brilliant, you know, we need to get out there more. There were some sort of things that we needed to address, but there's lots and lots of positives in terms of the client feedback. And then what we're looking for is a common theme across different parts of the business and different clients that you work with. You know, what is that nugget?
1: I think what was also important in that exercise was having re-interviewed the senior management and taken what senior management was saying, because... I think it's all well and good that you could know, talk to me and hear, hear what I've got to say and say, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? He's the chief exec. He thinks this, he thinks that, he thinks the other. The one important factor was that whatever level you went to, pretty much the message was the same. And in understanding that particular message, it was then to stand back and say, OK, what's the bit that doesn't allow people to get it? We talked then about how do we perhaps pull all of what's being said together and look then at the positioning of the organisation. How might that look? What will it sound like that people could get it? I remember the meeting. Uh, David was sat to my right with my colleagues to the left, and when we sat there, and David sort of had gone through, and he'd, given us um some talk in terms of uh how things were structured what they'd done what they didn't do and then turned around and sort of said look you know what seems to be coming back to me is you know McBain's coop is all about finding the better way and big smile on his face they say there it is there's your nugget you know, we, we've nailed this we've you know finding the better way and i remember sitting there thinking to myself like oh wow i like that but quite stony faced deliberately Deliberately, yeah, 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 deliberately. And my colleagues sat there and sort of said, oh, I, I like that, I get it. You know, that's kind of like what we've been trying to do.
0: Are you known for this stony face? Yeah, I'm face. an awkward
1: sound. So sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think David necessarily knew that at the time. But I, I was... <laughs> I learned quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was deliberately trying to be provocative to understand it myself, because I got it. I thought, oh, yeah, it sounds very nice. You know, I, I sort of get it. You think there, there are certain things that we haven't done, yeah, and you know, this, this whole finding the better way. I sort of get everything you said. And I just turned around to him and said, I said, I, I don't get it. And he sort of looked at me and I looked at Gareth. And I said, Well, I don't. I, I don't get it. I said, It feels a bit like you've gone back to your office, gone, Oh, grabbed something off the shelf, dusted it off, reworded it, said, Oh, there, that'll work for McBain's, and off we go. Upon
2: which he was. <laughs>
0: Well, I was going to ask, how does that feel, David? When at the time it felt, that I mean, because
2: that's sort of front to our sort of professional, you know, it's kind of, and I think we said that at the yeah. time, it was kind of like, it kind of made me... You said going, that? Yeah, I don't often get quite angry in, <laughs> in a meeting with a client. I mean, I wasn't angry, but it was kind of forceful, because saying, no, we don't, we absolutely don't, you know, get off the shelf. I mean, we're, we're experienced, but we don't repurpose stuff for people. So and, where had it come from? Well, so it, that
1: was the question I then asked. I said, okay, yeah. then fine. I said, all right, so explain to me how you got to it then. And that's when I then became less of a sceptic about the whole David Carroll scenario because that's when he actually was able, without looking at notes, that was quite important to me. If he'd sat there and started going backwards over pages and trying to pull bits out and, and show me bits, I would have said, no, no, no. He, he doesn't know it. He doesn't feel it. He hasn't, this is just part of a, oh yeah, we have this all up together and here we come. And he sat there for about 10 minutes and gave me the full story of... Where this had all come from, and the evidence that he did give was actually something. Oh, and by the way, Michael, this is what you said. You said about changing the industry. You said the reason you wanted to change the industry because you were trying to find a better way of doing things. He said, and that was the sentiment itself. That's where that physically came from. But he went through and explained all the way to where he got. And I said, and I thought, yeah, I do get it now. I get it, and now I know it's ours.
0: David in that process of interviewing people and interviewing Michael you said you're looking for those hidden gems how do you know okay that's the thing that he said that is going to become the idea of the whole thing
2: well as Michael says you have to really absorb yourself in all the information from the research from the interviews we're a small agency and that's why I think we're effective is because the principals are involved and, and know all the details throughout throughout every step of the way and I think what you're then looking for is the themes that are occurring from a client saying, these guys are so good that, you know, they've looked at the problem around. That's different to what everyone else is doing, they've sort of found a better way to do things. You know, Michael's comment, you know, page one of the notes was, we're looking to change the industry, we found a better way, but then we also, it's very important that we connect the past, the present and the future. So the original Cooper of McBain's Cooper invented quantity surveying, for example. So we were able to say when he did that, because he was responding to his client's needs, that they were getting overcharged for building buildings. So it's like, well, let's cost it before we build it. That was part of McBain's Cooper's history. So that in itself was changing the industry and the whole profession has been born from that. So it's connecting that from 250 years ago to Michael's idea of interdisciplinary process, which again was new and radical in the industry. Other people caught up, so we need to move on. What's the next step? So it's linking these things and making it relevant to every part of the business. So part of your relationships with some of your clients go back 50 years in producing car showroom designs for people. They don't necessarily need a, a project monitor or a quantity surveyor, but what they're looking to do every time is connecting, you know, finding a better way. How do we make that brand more relevant for their clients? So there was a theme that was running through everything and it was just trying to spot you know that's where you need to absorb all the detail and have all the all the research and the interviews and stuff
0: so you're a designer and we've got the idea we still haven't talked about logos and photography and colors
1: because that's still some way down the road <laughs> what really happened then after that and in my mind probably the most fundamental outcome of the whole process we sat there and we had this conversation and we started talking about our values as an organisation which were trust, honesty, respect and mutual support. And they had been put in place in 2003 as in that is how you will act. These are the values by which we will live by, etc, etc. And what was very interesting, annoyingly so, it took a, an external party who had gone through this but only through understanding all this and going through the business, it became become quite apparent that... The term interdisciplinary is a process. It might have a behavioural pattern around it as well as everything else, but it's a process. And what had happened is over a period of time, we'd started to call our values and what we stood for in our position, interdisciplinary values. The biggest insight of the whole thing was that actually, when you have a single discipline talking to a client about what we stand for, our position, our values, etc., etc., interdisciplinary values, all about interdisciplinary. But I'm a project manager, a quantity surveyor, talking to my client about this particular service. Kind of, what's the relevance of all that? Because I'm a single discipline. We're an interdisciplinary company. Well, what does that mean to my client? They don't really care because they want building surveying. The point was that actually, no, guys, you've kind of evolved over a period of time and made your interdisciplinary almost, your explanation of your position and who you are and what you stand for, et cetera, et cetera, you were making interdisciplinary almost the brand sell. And he was quite right. It wasn't. What was quite amazing is then when we went right the way back to that and looked at the four core values, having moved 10 years down the line and made so much progress, and were they really values? And this is the point he said, are they really values? The light bulb moment is, well, no, they're not. Actually, they're things that you earn. Trust, honesty, respect and mutual support. And David's philosophy was like, so none of that is irrelevant. Of course it's relevant because those are the actions that people will need to take to get to that point. So they do trust each other. They respect each other. They're honest with each other. They provide this mutual support. But actually, your values sit in front of that. And so the whole thing was about going almost all the way back to where we started and then going, now, where does that come from? How do you act? What is it about the business that makes it unique that actually will allow people to act and earn those particular actions? Before, I wanted you to have it because that's the position we're in as a business. You must do this. This is what I expect. Now we're actually matured to a point where, no, We need to have the values in place. We need to understand what we as a business stand for. What is our position? What is our purpose? What is our vision? That then helps us to put a platform in place for people to earn those particular aspects.
0: So, David, to sum up what you've said to this client who describes himself as a bit of a so-and-so, you've come in and you've said... uh, Good one. ...come in and said your people aren't quite fully committed to working here this interdisciplinary word you keep using isn't connecting with people and your values are wrong
2: you wouldn't have gone down very well with me (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah that's a good summation yeah there was a lot to cover but i think you know the matter of factness you know the fact that we'd had the evidence to back it up the fact that we had the the survey we'd done the interviews and you're so emotionally invested in the business it was it's important that you were able to i think the word you used earlier was reconcile where you were to work what we were saying to fit to your vision of the future and i think the vision of the future was also the missing link in this story is that this is about how McBain's cooper at the time would grow and develop so we had to look for things that would help them evolve as a business so what happened next well essentially from
1: there then david went off to sort of collate all of that and put it into words put it into I mean, we talked about an infographic so that you could perhaps explain it quickly, but not necessarily the logos or anything like that. It was the fundamentals. You know, what are the values then? What are this? Well, David came back, I think, in fairness to him the, the first time round, And one of the things that had come out was the word simple. Actually doing something simply was very difficult. And therefore, everything we do should be striving to make it as simple as possible. And that's not simple as in simple easy. You know, as we all know, simple is very difficult. So he went away, he came back with something. I can't remember, I'm exaggerating, but let's say 12 pages long. And I looked at it and went, and you could see on his face, oh, here we go again. But I said, look, I don't get it. I said, I could not read that much. I couldn't absorb that much. And if I can't absorb it and remember it and feel it and talk passionately about it without having to read it, how are my people going to feel that way? And in fairness to David, he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he said, we need to simplify this. He said, we need to take the essence out of it. And make it simple. And he came back, I think, a second time. And we went through it all again. This time it was more a case of like, this is where we are now. I think we could do this. And I'm like, yeah, it's still got to be far more simple. Sounds
0: like you were getting your own back.
1: A little bit, but it's also a case of, like, once I'd said it, that was it. It's like, well, yeah, of course, I'm telling you this is one of your key attributes here. The model, the way people want to work. Well, yeah, I've got to make it simple. And I think it's a big challenge to you. And you went away, took a bit of time and, and came back. And David came back with the McBain's Code. A small, I'd almost say leaflet, maybe four pages. It creates and sets out our position, our vision, and indeed what we stand for. It starts at the beginning and ends with trust, honesty, respect and mutual support. So it sort of takes you through that journey. I'm into journeys, and David knew this. I like the journeys. I think it's about going on a journey together. Then it was a case of like, okay, so what does that look like? And off he went. We had a to-in and fro-in about sort of logos, colours, this, that, the other. And again, the challenge was, rather than ending up with McBain's and a logo, which is where we started, we thought the logo was actually quite funky. How can we make the logo part of the names, so the two are in- inextricably linked you know they you can't really have one without people thinking about the name you laughed, don't you you created spaghetti writing we looked we looked at our own our own new text format and everything but we came up then with a solution and, and, and david created a logo that showed that continual evolution it's like a circle it just keeps going and it's all about finding that better way that we'd go on
0: every listener will be going to the website right now to see to see this logo
1: please do we've got a nice little animation which uh we had done as well as part of it to explain what we stand for
0: so when you're getting that pushback david of okay you said this is all has to be simple make it simpler is that useful or are you rolling your eyes going oh bloody clients
2: no i think it's useful i know i know because i always think if a client is saying something there's a reason why they're saying it and so you have to respond to it. You can't just ignore it. You have to engage with it. And you can come back and challenge it, but you have to go away and think about it. Simplicity was was a value we suggested. And then we weren't being simple. So we had to respond to that. And the McBain's code, getting that essence of what the brand is about is absolutely crucial. And that became the foundation for everything that follows, really, with all the visual identity work. That is the brief. If we get that right, get that signed off, get that engaged with, then it makes the second stage of the identity a lot easier.
0: So that stuff, I guess, that brings it all to life and is the expression of all the thinking that you've been doing. Did you have any idea, Michael, how you would measure if that worked?
1: The reality is that you can take a very hard line with these things and say, look, the key measure is your numbers. You know, Do you improve your revenue? Do you improve efficiency? Do you improve profitability? It is a part... Because you invest in an organisation a pound, how much are you going to get back? But the reality is it goes beyond just a financial return. The model was as much about making sure that we've created a place where people want to work, where people feel a part of an organisation. They understand our purpose in terms of trying to change the industry, finding a better way of doing things, everything from a project to the behavioural patterns to your association with your clients, etc., etc. And that ultimately will have an impact on the organization, whether it's because people are happier, they're more efficient, therefore they work harder, commit more, they get colleagues and friends in, or we get better quality people in to enhance what we can do as a, a product. So ultimately it has to feed into the bottom line. But I think anyone who thinks that they're going to do it and sort of bang, three months later, they're suddenly going to be making far more profit and the like, I, I would say utter madness. It has to be measured, but it has to be measured in the long term term for that organisation in terms of its growth, its sustainability, and indeed its positioning in the market. And I think our brand and our position in the market has been hugely enhanced by both the exercise and our new presentation of who we are. We've moved offices. Having moved offices, it was a great opportunity to rebrand. And the reaction from our clients, you know, it's taken us to that next tier. Yes, it's a lot of what we've done, but actually it takes somebody like David with his skill set to look at you and help you through that process. You can't do it
0: alone. And if one of the triggers for the whole thing was your people and what they were feeling, how has it gone down with them? They love it. How do you know?
1: We stood in front of them at the last staff conference before we introduced it, and we presented the whole logo, we presented the McBain's code, how we got there and everything, and uh, asked everyone to put their hands up if they liked it or disliked it or felt that they could embrace it and understood it. And I think out of 125 people at the conference, one put their hand down. The only comment from that one person was they didn't understand where Cooper had gone. So I think pretty well we we nailed it. But it's always actions speak louder than words. We're beholden now as a management team and me as a CEO to make sure that we live the dream. We do what we say we're going to do. We are the keepers, we are the people who, who enforce, if you
2: like, the philosophy.
0: So how typical, David, is what we've talked about as the kind of process that you go through?
2: The process is similar to most of our clients. We follow a, what we have now sort of calling the CEO process, which is about decide what needs to be changed, elevate the conversation, and then as to Michael's last point, it's about the obsessive reinforcement of once the brand is established, to constantly embrace that. I get the change and I get the obsessed. What's the elevating the conversation bit? Well, the elevating of the conversation is, is your difference, yeah, the story of finding the better way. It's having that kind of the heart and soul of the business. What is it that makes you different? But also then dressing that up with the identity, the visuals to make it fit the positioning.
0: And how do you feel about it? Now you walk into a reception and see McBain's in
2: giant letters. I love it. I mean, I think there was a point in when we were developing the identity work that we'd taken Michael on a a journey, small steps from where they were existing with their existing identity, which I think was one of the other things that we talked about in the kind of difficult client feedback was that, you know, it's a bit boring, it's a bit safe. You're a much more exciting, engaging organisation than this. So we did a, a small step, a medium step and then a bolder step. We talked about, you know, the zig and zag. If your competitors are like this, you need to do the opposite. Branding is is essentially about being different, about standing out in the marketplace. And I think once we had that conversation as well, it became easy that we went for a, quite a bold option. The crucial part of it was that it felt right for McBain's. It came through all this journey, all this research and knowledge and definitely not an off the shelf solution. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Michael, would you ever do this again?
1: Oh, yes, most definitely. Go back to the philosophy of what it stands for is finding the better way. There will be a better way at some stage and this business will change as it grows and we're more successful and we work with different clients and technology changes, behavioural patterns change, social media changes, all of these things it means that the business itself will have to evolve. And the trick is to allow the business to evolve, work with it and then pick the right moment to say, now we're ready for that next step. absolutely i'll do it again i'll do it for this business i'll do it for a wider group i'll do it for another organization or at least uh open their eyes to it and the, the value of it so yeah loved it
0: so we're going to play a quick game now of brand mr and mrs almost i'll ask you both the same question and we'll see how similar your answers are sadly there's no holiday to tenerife together for getting it right michael what was the best bit of the project
1: the moment he explained to me and we looked at the interdisciplinary values and having to go back to the beginning to reestablish what we stood for. It was the light bulb moment
2: and I, I appreciated that. I think it was the various breakthroughs that we had and I think that first light bulb moment unlocked a lot of it. But I think the thing for me was the staff conference when we presented everything and we did the show of hands and there was, you know, overwhelming majority loved it, thought it was them and embraced it and it was great. I knew they would, so I wasn't. Uh,
0: also that was such a consultant answer he pretended to agree with yours and then came up with his own afterwards what did you get wrong
1: in the process we should have ignored what was going on in the background and just pushed through and done it sooner albeit life's about timing and with the investment the office move and the rebrand all hitting in the same week it kind of looked pretty
2: planned I'll pretend it was
0: yeah that's the trick, isn't it take credit for that David what did you get wrong
2: I think it was the simplicity angle that at that stage we just needed to have nailed that a bit sooner i'll start with david
0: anything that surprised you
2: the length of the project has <laughs> surprised me i think it was about two and a half years from when i had the first meeting with gareth and denise the commercial and marketing directors as michael explained there were, there were reasons for that behind the scenes that we weren't aware of anything surprised you the survey that's what particularly surprised me
1: Uh, And I think I was also uh, surprised at David's integrity. And that's not questioning his integrity. I was just surprised at his integrity because of my scepticism about that element of the market and
0: that service sector. You might have answered the final question. What was the best thing about David?
1: Uh, His integrity was aligned with ours as a business. And I hold integrity very high. It's one of our three core values. And when he was able at that first meeting to sit there and have the integrity to back up what he had said and stand by it, I knew he was right for us.
0: And hold his own. It sounds like you like someone who can take a challenge. Indeed. David, best thing about Michael?
2: One is the engagement. No,
0: best thing about Michael.
2: (laughs) Just the one best thing, the engagement. My looks. (laughs) Come on, David, help me out. (laughs) The fact that he was so engaged and pushed us. I'm going to go for a second one and pushed us.
0: Well, thank you, gents. Coming up in the next episode is investment expert Keith Holt on the value of brand to growing businesses. Until then, check out davidcarolanco.com and leave us a nice review if you liked the podcast so other people can find us. Talk soon.